This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. Oh, I like this series so much. We are doing a whole series called For the Love of What If. This is my like weird brainchild. We're just dreaming a little in this series about all kinds of things. Like what if you turned that little side gig into a a whole business? What if you took a chance on that passion project you've been like noodling or what if you followed your gut and you went for something in your life that you're just keep thinking you can't have like what if you followed your instincts and went this thing feels a little bit scary but what it what if I what if I went for it right I think you're going to love these conversations we're having particularly if you've been contemplating at all however big or small whether it would be like the center point of your entire life or something over here that you would like to build on the side. It doesn't really matter what it is. I just think there's going to be so much for you to take away from this series that maybe inspire you to take the plunge into whatever that space may be in whatever context it is for you, whether it's relational or career or physical health, whatever the thing is. So I am ecstatic truly inspired by our guest today and have been for a long time. I've got the honor of sitting down today with the lovely Kendra Scott. You know her. (laughs) She's an entrepreneur. She is obviously a founder, a passionate lead designer, and the executive chairwoman of her billion with a B dollar jewelry brand. So I mean, to say she's a savvy go-getter is obviously an understatement, but wait till you hear her story. Just, you're just going to love this conversation. She gets down to the brass tacks with us on what it was actually like and how she really started. And it, it just may not be what you think at all. She started in 2002 with $500 and a little dream, kind of on the heels of a failed business, which we're going to talk about. And, oh, I just, I I don't, I'm about to give too much away and I don't want to, because I love the details of her origin story of the Kendra Scott brand. We see her now at the end. I mean, she's been on the Forbes America's richest self-made women list. She was the 2017 Ernst & Young's National Entrepreneur of the Year. Oh, she's got, she's on every list. 
She occupies the rarest air in terms of a successful business. But I think what you're going to hear her talk about today that you're going to love are that the three big pillars in her life are family, fashion, and philanthropy. You're going to hear that loud and clear. She's a mom of three, and she has said, she said in her own words, the truest form of success is giving back in a meaningful way. And you guys, I mean, I hate to steal a tiny bit of her thunder, but at this point, Kendra has given $50 million to women's empowerment. $50 million. There are nuggets of wisdom, literally like every two minutes in this entire interview. And I was just grateful. Like I've, I just finished the interview with her and I'm sitting here feeling like inspired and thinking about what's possible. What's, what's in front of me? What am I thinking of? Like what little weird thought am I thinking of that may be asking for my attention? It's fun because Kendra started her company out of her spare bedroom here in Austin, three months shy of birthing her first kid with like card tables set up in there. It's such a fun story. But I'm just telling you, she started normal like any one of us would on anything, just literally from, from step one. Nothing was handed to her. It wasn't even easy either. It took 10 years, but boy, what a story she has to tell. Her passionate spirit is evident. You will love hearing from her. She is so vibrant and so exuberant and just genuine. Like you, you know, when you talk to somebody and you think that person is sincere, that's the real deal. And that's how you're going to feel today after hearing from her. So she is living, breathing proof that there is light at the end of those what if tunnels. I'm just so tickled she's on the show today. And I cannot wait to bring you this really just incredible conversation with the outstanding, the one and only Kendra Scott. Well, I am so excited because I love you and I have (laughs) loved you for a long time. And now you're on my show and I'm thrilled. Kendra Scott, welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, Jen, I feel the exact same way. I love you. And I'm so excited to be on your show and so excited that we finally are getting a chance to like me, even though we're virtual, it's still amazing. It's amazing. And it's, it's time. I've loved you for a really long time. And anybody who lives here in Austin and really anybody who's paying attention to you at all, and we're going to get into (laughs) this, knows that your generosity toward the city is constant and over the top. And so in Austin, Texas, it's just a known fact that you are such a good sister to the city and to its people. And so I'm just really proud of you for that. And I've been on the receiving end of your generosity. And so, yay, you. Oh, well, thank you. You know, and what's been so fun is that, you know, I started the brand here, but, you know, for us now to be able to be in 130 locations across the United States, we're able to spread that love and joy that, you know, our brand loves to bring to the communities that we're in. So, I mean, since I started 20 years ago, we've now been able to just make an input on thousands of nonprofits across the the country. And, you know, of course, Austin's our home base, but you know, it's really now just expanded way across Texas borders. And I'm just, I think I'm so proud of our company for that. So thank you. Cause that's what drives all of us every day for sure. Totally. You should be proud. Let's, let's start here. This is a fun series we're in. It's, we're calling it for the love of what if, and our whole thought around this series was for all my listeners who are predominantly women, what if, like, what if you went for it? 
What if you chased that thing down? What if you threw caution to the wind and took a risk? And that runs the gamut of possibilities in everybody's life. Everybody's what if is a little bit different. But I love having you here for this because you did a big what if. And we're going to drill down into that. And so I'm going to start with an objection that I think a lot of my listeners are just, it's this little like rumble in their own little internal self, their own brain. This is their internal voice. And it is this, I don't know if I can do this and be a mom. Right. So let me ask you this. I'd like to hear you talk frankly about what it's like for you to be an entrepreneur and a mom. And I'm a working mom too. Busy, busy, busy working mom. And it's beautiful in a lot of reasons. It's challenging. And and my days are probably like yours and that no two days are the same. (laughs) It's just, we don't have those kind of careers. And so, and as you've mentioned many times, family is one of the pillars at the core of who you are, your brand, your company. So can you talk just briefly before we get in to the magic of your brand to the mom who's going, I have a little what if in my little dream heart and the whole like parent piece makes me feel scared. It makes me feel anxious. It makes me feel like, can I do it? Can I do both of these things? Do I have to pick? I love it. Well, first of all, you know, being a mom is the hardest job and we know that, (laughs) but also, you know, I have so many moms that work at Kendra Scott. We're also the hardest working people on the planet. We can multitask like nobody's business. But for me, when I started my business, I was a brand new mom. I mean, I had a newborn baby And when he was three months old, I took him store to store with me in a baby Bjorn and, you know, with my jewelry in a tea box. And I was like, Hey, here I am. I'm this, you know, local designer. Yes. I'm bringing my baby into your store. And I think he helps sell jewelry quite honestly with his cute little face. Totally. But you know, I decided then that I wanted to be the best mother I could be for this child. And I wanted to be present for him. I wanted to be there for those moments for him. But I also wanted a career. I wanted to be able to do what I loved, which was fashion and design. And I really, after losing my stepfather to cancer and just realizing how we have such a short time on this earth, I wanted to make a positive impact. And if I could do those three things, that would be success for me. And I think for anyone, it is dreaming into what does that life look like? What are the things that matter to you? And really thinking about that. Okay, I'm a mom. I want to be there for my kids. I want to, but so maybe you've got this idea. Well, when I started with $500, I didn't go, oh, I'm building this billion dollar brand out of my bedroom. I did it, you know, each day I took a step forward and I did what I could do. And then I thought, okay, I have more orders. I'm going to need a little bit more help. So I literally had a babysitter that came in twice a week to help me. And I trained her how to wire wrap. And so during nap time, we would be wire wrapping, right? And so I think what, you know, sometimes we get overwhelmed when we think of the whole big thing, right? If you think, okay, you know, it's going to just take it a little, you, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't eat a whole cake in one bite. You got to take it bite by bite by bite. And so I think each day you make a little progress and a little step forward and know that the other side of fear and the other side of that what if is usually something great and you can break through it and you're not going to lose anything for trying because the ones that don't even try never know. And even if it doesn't work out, even if you fail, and I failed, I failed in my first business, 
That failure was the greatest education I ever got into business. It was my bridge to help me build the successful business I have today. And I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, Jen, if I didn't have that failed business. So I think for anyone out there scared, I always say, and I wrote this in Born to Shine, my book, is put yourself in the worst case scenario. Really think about it. And then you go, okay, you lived in that moment. It wasn't so bad. Now I know what that's like, right? So now I'm going to just try to go for it. And you know, if family and being a mother is important to you, you can work that in. My kids went to the office with me. I had a pack and play, you know, in my office, we would pass around babies. You know, there was not, I wasn't the only mom bringing my baby to the office. And, you know, we would work with each other during, you know, carpool pickups. If somebody needed to go pick up their kids and we built a community where family was our first core value and saying that a woman should not have to choose anymore between being a mother or having a great career. We believe at Kendra Scott that you can have both. You just have to have the love and support in the community around you to make that happen. I could not agree more. I think the choice between the two is pretend. That is invented. And those are not our binary options. And plus, I'm in the seat now where my kids are grown. Mine are young adults. My youngest is 16 up to 24. And so I'm also in the interesting place where now they can kind of mirror back to me some of the pride of having a mom who built a career that she loves and who does meaningful work. And they're like, that was amazing to witness. And that was an example. It wasn't necessarily a detractor. I love how you said, just start at the beginning of the thing. Don't look at the whole thing. Lord, have mercy. We might've all quit. I mean, that was, that's too overwhelming. I remember when I was writing my very first book that nobody asked me to write, by the way, I was just going to launch out and do it. And I, all I could engineer, my kids were one, three, and five. And so I did a swap a with a friend of mine and she would take my kids on Fridays. So I knew I had Fridays. I mean, I would put my hat on and just type away as fast as I could. That's what I had. I had one day and I made the most of it until I grew into more. Same as you. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's such a good thing to think about too. It does take a village. And I think as women, we have to stop trying to be these super women, right? And think I can do this all myself and I have to do it all myself. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It is the greatest sign of strength. And when you can say to a friend, a mom friend, hey, you know, I'm struggling right now. I'm trying to get this business off the ground or I'm trying, you know, could on Wednesdays you do car, could car, you know, my kid carpool with you or my friends. I knew early on that when you get a group of women together, holding hands and loving one another, anything is possible. And the more vulnerable I could be in saying, you guys, like this is, I'm, I'm going through a lot right now. I've got these big, other moms appreciate that because they're struggling too. And it gave them the ability to then open up. And now you are having these really loving conversations and kindness, and you want to help each other because we're all the same. We're all trying to figure out every day. And so you know, I had friends who would like make an extra dozen cookies for the bake sale in advance, knowing that I was traveling to New York and coming back the night before. And they're like, Kendra, the bake sales tomorrow. I went ahead and baked another dozen for you because I knew you had a late light coming in. And I'm like, oh my God, but that's what I'm talking about. It does take a village. It really mm. does. Mm. I love that so much. I have found that collaboration to be absolutely true. And for me, the fuel in my whole tank is primarily other women and my group of friends. I want to go back to something you mentioned. You talked about failure and I appreciate you including that in your story because just as much as 
dividing out our roles can be a deterrent. So can the fear of failure. But I know 100% same as you. Failure is my best teacher. And boy, did I have plenty of it. And so could you talk a little bit more about what that looked like for you, particularly early on? You have to decide when you fail early, am I going to keep going or was this a fool's errand? And so something about having a failure later when a lot of stuff's already baked in and successful is a little bit easier to manage. Those early failures. Yeah. We have to be prepared. And it's a mindset, right? Because even that word failure is like, I don't know if I love it anymore because I think they're honestly gifts. In the moment, you're like, oh, this is terrible. Why am I going through this? This is like the most awful thing. When you get on the other side of it and you look in your rear view mirror, you're like, oh, okay. I had to, you know, marry so-and-so so I could know our date or whatever. Right? Things happen in our lives that are unexpected. And none of us, you know, I, I talk about things in the book, not just about business failures, but in our, you know, I went through divorce and none of us walk down the aisle thinking that that's going to happen. Yet we're very judgmental on people when they go through some of these things at times. Some people are not, some people are super supportive, but I think it's like having compassion and love and understanding and knowing though that, you know what, that relationship brought me wonderful gifts and it wasn't a failure. That was that was a gift of time in my life that was the thing at that moment in my life that was important, not just for me, but for a lot of other people too, for my children. I'm so grateful that we have them. So if we start to look at these things instead of being like, God, I wish I didn't do that. And when you talked about what if, I used to think of the what ifs different than how you're describing them, Jen, is I would think of the what ifs as what if I didn't took this job instead of the job I have now? What if I would? And sometimes we get ourselves buried in the what ifs of our past and they hold us down from moving forward to our what ifs of the future, the dreaming what ifs. So I tell women, let go of those past what ifs, take those golden nuggets of wisdom that you learned and let them become building blocks for you, for your future, and then push through that and go, okay, that part of my life, I needed it. I went through it. I experienced it. They're mine. I own it. I'm excited that I got these things from it, but now I'm going to take this and I'm going to the next most amazing place in my life because now I have those lessons, those golden nuggets in my pocket. And you know, I think that's an, a really different way to kind of look at the word failure. I love it. So you had those nuggets. You started an, a different business, a first business. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah. So I started the hat box when I was 19 years old. Gosh. I I know, 19. My stepfather had brain cancer and we found out when I was a junior in high school. And so our whole world and our family really shifted. All the things that were important to a lot of the kids in high school, you know, homecomings, proms. I stopped work. It's like my life changed in one moment when I heard he was dying and our focus as a family changed. And you feel so helpless because you can't fix him. But I wanted to do something. And I think, you know, when you're 19, you're an idealist. And I met so many men and women undergoing chemotherapy and understanding hair loss and and the options were limited. And so I thought, well, I love fashion. I've loved fashion since I was a little girl. Maybe I could help make comfortable headwear for men and women. And so dropped out of college, not with the intent of not ever going back and wanting to spend as much time with him during these last few years of his life. 
that I wanted to start something, you know, and do something in design. And so I had this big vision. I wrote a business plan. I was going to open 500 hat boxes across the globe. I would, it was going to be this big brand. I mean, I was going to do all the things and I was going to fund, you know, cancer research and I was going to cure brain cancer through my fund. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I mean, literally 19, big dreamer, big dreamer. And after five years of running that store, morning till night, seven days a week, living on, you know, ramen, you know, selling my car to be able to, you know, pay the rent at the, at the mall, you know, I had to realize this business is not working. I was selling a hat or two a day. I couldn't pay my overhead. I, it was just so hard. And at this point I had lost my stepfather. The reason I did this business and he was so proud when I started it. And so, you know, before he had passed away, so closing that store was like, I also failed him. I failed my family because now all my friends have graduated from college and I'm a college dropout. I have no degree. I have a biz failed business. I lost my stepfather to cancer. I was at the lowest of low that you could be as far as just even thinking about my self-esteem. I felt like the biggest failure on the planet. But I realized later I was courageous to try to do that. And I was making jewelry in my little hat store and it would sell the day I'd put it in the case at the register. I was so focused though, that the hat thing was the thing that was going to work, that I wasn't paying attention to what was actually working until I closed the store. And customers would call me, not because they wanted a hat, because they wanted a matching pair of earrings for the necklace they bought at my store or a gift for their sister who loved the earrings that she bought. And so I found myself going to the bead shop and buying stones and creating jewelry and realizing, and I had a job now, I had to go get a regular job in the company. You know, I had to pay my bills after I closed the store. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm just this like serial entrepreneur. Like I had rent to pay and a car payment and, you know, all I appreciate you saying that. Sometimes that's a season that is required. Yeah. Yeah. And I also am thankful that I got this opportunity to work in a corporate kind of America job because it was awful for me. No women were in the C-level or executive level. There was a glass ceiling that women could, in this company, could not break. I had the meanest boss of all time, which I always say is the best boss I ever had because he taught me exactly how I would never want to to be. be. Yes. So actually that time for me of being my own business and being an entrepreneur and then going and getting a job, you know, hard as that was, it was also, again, like this amazing learning because I'm filling all these orders and I'm realizing maybe I do have another business here. And when I built it enough to where I then had my own corporate headquarters, we created a utopia for women. Opportunity was endless. We are 96% female at Kendra Scott company-wide. And it is such an environment of like, you know, all but all of those lessons, Jen, I had to have to get me here, you know? Absolutely. And it is so hard in the moment to sometimes see the forest through the trees kind of thing, you know, through see your way through. And it sometimes takes getting to that other place to then realize, and you can see the path exactly back to where you began and why you had to go there. I love this. I, I'm leaning forward. I'm hanging on every word you are saying. I am. I love. I love dreams. I love learning. I love all the factors that have to go into making it work. Which a lot of times at the in the moment feels like struggle, feels like loss, feels like failure. To use that word, we don't 
we're not sure is correct, but that's how it feels at the moment. And so this is, it's so exciting for me to hear you talk about those early days. Cause of course, what we know of Kendra is you now, that's what we know of you now. And so hearing you thinking about you and your little mall shop and, and having to like go get a horrible job that you hate and an awful company and making your little jewelry at like 1030 at night. I love it. I love it because it was tenacious and it was nothing was just handed to you, right? You didn't just walk into this. No. And I mean, and I have to tell you, Jen, once I decided, so I, the company that I worked for required me to travel a lot and you know, I got married and, you know, we got pregnant pretty quickly after we got married and I, that job just wasn't feasible. And that's when I realized, you know, maybe I can try to do business again on my own. Maybe I can try this jewelry. Maybe there's, you know, something that I wanted that I couldn't find, but I was afraid to tell anybody that I was starting another business again. I didn't, I was very quiet about it. I was just like, because I thought I'm the failed business owner, you know, they're going to look at me and go, oh, here she goes again. I was like, I want to be able to have a successful enough business that allows me to be home with my baby as much as I can and spend time with him, help and provide for my family. But it wasn't this big thing. And then as I gained a little success and it was a few people, like people would wear my jewelry and I'd see them on the street and I'd be like, it gives you a little fuel in your tank. And I started getting this confidence back and realizing maybe I have something and maybe I can be proud that I'm trying again. And there may be naysayers out there and there may be people thinking, oh, she's going to fail again, but I'm not going to let them stop me from trying, you know? And the more I thought about them saying, maybe, you know, and, and these are fake people in my brain. These are not real people. But the more I thought of their little voices of like, oh, you know, she's going to fail another business. And these are the things that are, these are probably not, none of this is really probably happening, but in my world, I thought they were, it gave me more fuel. Cause I'm like, I'm going to show them I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm not a failure. I know this, you know, I'm going to do this. And I think if we can start taking like those no's or the naysayers or the dream stealers and start to actually, when they say those things, get excited, like make it more like, ooh, tell me I can't do it. Tell me, please. Oh, I like it when someone tells me I can't do something because then I'm like, woo, let's go, you know? <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> um, right. That can be highly motivating. Um, genuinely. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Take us back. So you've got this baby strapped to your body. You're just literally cold walking into stores. And like I'm breastfeeding. So I have oh, like sure. those 
uncomfortable pads, you know, like whatever. And it would be like, I mean, I'd be in the middle of like giving a pitch and I'd be like knowing I'm leaking because I'm like really need to feed Cade, but I don't want, I'm almost there to get this sale. And I'm like, I'm like, please pads just work like these, you know, like literally I'm like, please, it's those little things though, that I think like as mothers, we can relate to so much. And what was cool is I was walking into boutiques that were owned by women and, you know, in Austin, especially, we are so about supporting our own. If I would have walked in, in Los Angeles or New York city with little baby Cade and a tea box, cause I didn't even have a proper jewelry case. Cause I couldn't afford one yet. They would have laughed me out of the store or called security. Most likely, maybe not everywhere, but most likely here they're so nice. They're like wanting to hold the baby. I was so lucky to start this business in this town and in, in, in Texas. How did it start scaling? So obviously these little store owners started saying, sure, I'm going to place an order and I'm going to, we'll feature your stuff here amongst the rest of our stuff. You didn't have your own store yet. Like you were just a designer in the, in among other designers, right? And Jen, I was never going to have another store again. Cause I said, I will never be in retail. I will never be in retail. This is the things we also do. We skip oh, yeah. these like hard and fast like superlatives. I'm huh. never, Always or never. Or yes. like, I'm never getting married again. Hello, married again. <laughs> you, <know>? like, <laughs> totally. you say these things, You're right. you have to be open, stay open because we don't know what's going to come next. You know what I mean? But I was just selling to these stores and knowing like, I'm going to do it this way and I'm not going to ever go into retail says the lady with 130. That's right. That's right. That didn't exactly go as you expected. How did that begin to shift for you at like, what has to happen in order for you to go, well, wait a minute, this is now growing to the point. It can be its own thing. And I might have to revisit that store. Like what did that look like from um, pitching to boutiques to, I need to change my business model. What was that? I had card tables that my mom brought over in a 10 by 12 extra bedroom of my house. You know, my little bead boards and my spools of wire. And I had a bulletin board with my my orders pinned up. And I'd be like thrilled if I had over six orders to fill at a time. <laughs> and, you know, I had taught my babysitter how to wire wrap. And it was like, okay, then I got into a Dallas market and a representative there wanted to carry my line. And I'm like, she has no idea that I'm manufacturing out of a 10 by 12 bedroom and that I'm producing all of this, designing and producing, packaging, marketing, accounting, you know, all the things. I I was like, yeah, we could, of course we can do this. So then I started getting more boutiques, right? And then Harold's, I don't know if you remember Harold's, but they were, they had a huge catalog business. They had stores all over Texas. I think they started in like 1910. And they came in and the buyer wanted samples. And this is a good lesson for people listening today. And my rep said, Kendra, they always ask for samples and they never order. I don't want you to waste your time. And I said, I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. I have, of course, I'm going to sample. So I went home and I sampled and I wrapped everything in like beautiful, beautiful tissue with like little ribbons. And I think I might've even sprayed perfume in the box. I don't know, but I wanted it to be like a butterfly release and a handwritten note thanking her for considering my line, like all these things. And I get a call and they have selected these items for the catalog. It's a $75,000 order. It's like a big, like this isn't a boutique order, right? This isn't like 15 pieces I'm making. This is 
thousands of pieces for this catalog. And of course, and she, and she needs it in like eight weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What'd you do? And I'm in my bedroom. I mean, I'm still oh, in my gosh. house, right? You don't even have employees, right? Like no, I have you're no employees. Still doing everything. And what's hilarious is I'm on the phone with her and, and I start to cry. Okay. Which I get emotional and I tell the buyer, you just gave somebody this, like a business, like you, this is, I have a real business now. And I just want you to know, like, thank you for giving me a chance. And I will get this order done. And saying this, not having any idea how I was going to do it. And then realizing, okay, I need to ask some people for help because I need to get this done. And so from there, I realized, okay, I got to get out of the bedroom (laughs) and I've got to figure out some manufacturing component. One of my friends was the ex-CEO of Walmart. He now had a sourcing company in Asia. And he was brilliant, Bill Fields. He's no longer with us, but one of my mentors. And I think for all of us out there, having mentors and people you can call and saying, this is where I'm at. I trust you. I respect you. I look up to you. What would you do if you were me right now? You know, he believed in me. So that's another thing. You get some of these, you know, we always say, you know, it takes also strong men who believe in us and women to allow us to like grow. He was one of those strong men who said, I believe in you, Kendra, and I'm going to go use one of my chips because he had way more power, obviously, to get this manufacturing done. And then from there, we started growing our manufacturing to other partners, other countries. It just was step by step, order by order. And, you know, I got an office space and I hired some more people. And it was at first just, what do we have to complete today? I needed, I needed production assistance and design assistance. I could do the sales. I can do these things. You know, I was wearing like 5 million hats and hiring people that also like to wear 5 million hats. Like we're cleaning toilets. We're, you know, we, we are doing all the things and you have to hire people that are like, yeah, roll your sleeves up and get going. A lot of those original people are still with me today, 17 years. A lot of them are, you know, 17 years now with me. So very close to the beginning stages. So yeah, you just, you know, it was one step at a time. And and then having really strong mentors to help me understand what things I needed to think about as I was growing the business and really being open and honest, like opening the kimono and saying, you know, is this margin right? I mean, am I negotiating this right? Should I be looking at something different? And just trying to get advice. So good. What were some of the, outside of the the brass tacks of your specific business, which obviously business mentors are invaluable. I'm flying to Nashville tomorrow to meet with my business coach and my business developer because we don't know what we don't know, right? right? Somebody else has already done the thing or they're an innovator around it. But besides some of the tactile business decisions, what were some of the like advice and sort of coaching that some of your mentors gave you at that pivotal time that mattered to you, that really was a through line for your, for your work? Well, you know, I think I looked to people and they don't have to be in the same industry. I think, totally. a lot, you know, cause let me tell you in Austin, Texas, when I started in 2002, there wasn't fashion and design here. I was told by buyers and editors of fashion magazines in New York and LA that I would never be successful because I wasn't on the coasts. 
you know, and I was like, oh, another one, another right. one of those, Watch like, me. tell me I can't, mm-hmm. I go, you don't know Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas in 2002 is not what Austin, Texas is now. Like everybody knows how cool Austin is. I knew how cool Austin was then. And it was such a big DN- part of the DNA. And I didn't want to be like everybody else. The reason we were having success is because we looked different. We had our own personality. We didn't look, we weren't trying to be like, oh, we, everyone's doing wood beads. We have to do wood beads. So we're all looking the same. Like we did wood beads, but then we'd mix it with turquoise and we would add different things and we'd take a trend and totally make it our own. So the one of those things was one of my mentors, I remember saying this, you know, they're telling me I'm not going to be able to, to make this line viable on a big scale if I'm not on the coast. But Austin's such a big part of this. And they said, you have to be disruptive, Kendra. You cannot do what everybody else is doing. And, you know, and it's like, if you're doing that, you've already failed. So you have to do it with your own unique fingerprint, your own personality, and own that this is part of your brand and be proud of it. And I I really needed to hear that because it's easy to sometimes think being different is bad, but being different in business is great, especially if you're filling white space in the market. The other thing, you know, my mentors were sharing with me is look constantly at your competitive landscape. I walk and shop by competitors all the time. I want to know what they're doing because I want to be better every day. I'm never complacent. I want to surprise and delight my customers. I want them to have the most exceptional experience at our stores, whatever it is. And so I think that was another one that stuck with me to really just push forward. I think asking, you know, I tried to get funding. I would walk into so many boardrooms where no one in there looked like me. They're all men in suits. And that was in the dot coms, you know, the big. And if you weren't in tech, they didn't even want to talk to you. So here comes this bubbly jewelry designer, you know, hey, y'all with my jewelry and trying to show them though, we've, you know, we've got Nordstrom, we've got these like accounts that are coming in. I'm growing this business. And them just like glazed over, looking at me like, no, no, no. So many ways they said no too. It was very creative. And I remember one talking to one of my mentors, and he was he had an investment fund that funded much bigger companies. So it wasn't something he'd fund with me. And crying and just being like, I mean, I'm doing this on lines of credit and credit card debt. I mean, I have my entire world up for collateral. Like if I don't pay this loan off. Then I went through a divorce. My kids were one and three. So now I'm a single mom trying to do this business with all this debt. And I'm like, no one will invest in me. No one. And, and I'm running a fiscally responsible company. I'm growing. What am I doing wrong? And he said, Kendra, you're worrying too much about the investment right now. What you need to worry about is continuing to build the best business you can build. And if you build it, they will come. And he said, your phone will start ringing. And that happened. It took eight years, no, 10 years, Jen, of if you build it, they will come doing it on debt to building a business where it was getting noticed and the phone started ringing and investors wanted to invest. But it was 10 years of me carrying this on my shoulders. But I think that was good advice. You know, I wish I could have gotten investment capital sooner. I think it would have alleviated a lot of personal stress for me. It wasn't in the cards for me, but I I did. I focused on continuing to build the best business and I still do. I try not to ever get sidetracked by that side of it. It's to me, it's like if I'm, the boss is my customer and if she's happy, my boss is happy, then we're going to be okay. And I got to focus on that every day. I can't have time to focus on everybody, everything else. Thank you for sharing that. I, 
it's encouraging to hear yet again, this is not overnight for you. It's just not. And it wasn't like I had a great idea. And then all of a sudden I got, you know, $10 million of VC money, you know, like (laughs) it just wasn't like that. And, and that's great because it's not like that for almost anyone. That's the very rare exception. We hear those stories sometimes. Somebody just catches lightning in a bottle for a million weird factors that'll probably never happen again. And then we think maybe that's the way it should go. But really, it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. It is. Yeah. I mean, and you know, what's funny is in 2016 or 17, I won a breakthrough designer of the year. I had started yeah. my company. I yeah. had 15. So 15 years, I ran this business and I, I got the award for breakthrough designer of the year. And when I got up in, in New York city it. in this huge gala and I go, well, shoot, it only took 15 years to break through. I mean, that like, yes, so perfect. Oh but my it's gosh. so true there, you know, but we sometimes think, oh, this just happened. And, and it really doesn't. And I think that's another thing of where if we can be real with one another, we're not feeling like we're failures out there. Like keeping the grind and doing those things. And like I said, I had my kids with me during all of these moments. I mean, Cade had 75,000 frequent flyer miles at the age of three because I couldn't afford a nanny, but I'm like, I'll just take, I'll just take them. And I had friends in New York that would watch him during market. I had friends in LA. I had friends in Dallas and Kate just went everywhere with me. Like he literally was like my little business partner. I love it. I yeah. just love it. You just made it happen. And and maybe it looked not traditional, whatever traditional even is anymore. I'm not even sure that's a thing anymore in today's world, but it worked for you and it worked for your little family and you made it work for you. And I just love that. There isn't a template that we have to say, it has to be this way or I'm doing it wrong, right? Or someone else is doing it better. I mean, that's the part, Jen. Instagram and all the social media, we have our everyone's showing their perfect little families and their perfect, all this perfect, perfect, perfect. It's not perfect. No one's perfect. We're all, every day we're doing the best that we can do. And some days I go to bed and I go, God, today was great. I got it all. I got everybody organized. The business was great. I had good meetings. We did homework. You know, so-and-so got an A on their test today. I didn't forget anything. Wow. I'm really, I'm crushing life. And then the next day it's like, oh, I forgot that it was like silly sock day and my kid's the only one that didn't have silly socks or, you know, I mean, whatever it is. Right. And you go and you're like, God, I'm such a, I was such a loser today. Like I am not doing it. And I think as mom, we just got to give ourselves a break. We have to be less hard on ourselves and each other because it is, there's so many things and it's okay to say, I'm not okay. Or I'm overwhelmed. And and I, in my book, I really wanted to be super vulnerable and share a lot of those really low points and what, you know, the things that were hard and difficult, the setbacks that ultimately became the, the reason why I moved forward in even a bigger way was because of those setbacks and show real examples of that. So if women or men or anyone that reads this can say, God, you know, I'm going through this challenge or a change or a career change, whatever it might be, feeling very, you know, and stress and anxiety about it, but having examples of, okay, a woman that I thought like had it all and she struggled too. This wasn't easy for her. And, you know, I can do this too. I can get through this moment in time. 
how did you find the writing process? This is a very different muscle from the one that you normally flex. It's different creatively. The process is different. Uh, there, there is almost no comparison. So I, I'm curious what, how was that for you, the process of writing the book? And then what's it been like, the feedback and what you're hearing from your readers and all of that? Uh, well, first of all, I, I started because I've been journaling for a long time, just wanting to remember some of these moments in my life that had these really big impacts. Some of them were really great moments and some of them were really bad moments, but I didn't want to forget them. So I, I wanted to kind of write them down. When 2020 hit, the whole world was going through a really hard time. And I was personally going through a really hard time, not just in the business world, obviously having to temporarily close all of my stores through COVID, but I, I went through a second, you know, another divorce. Hello. I mean, now I'm failing again. The thing I never thought would happen. And I was, you know, my dad almost died. He had two massive heart attacks. So I'm, you know, by his bedside, he moved in with me during COVID so I could take care of him. I end up having a health scare. I'm in the same hospital he's in during this time. I mean, it was all these things. And I felt like, but in the outside world, Andrew's got this billion dollar brand. She's number whatever on the Forbes self-made woman list. You know, to the outside world, she's living it like this great life. And inside I was broken. I mean, I was hollowed out. I was, and I thought, I know other people are struggling too. And so really wanted to kind of share that because I thought it was important, but then also share that to them that we can get through this. And if we hold hands and we help find the light within all of us, we can get through this. And so writing the book for me was, I'm not very, I mean, I can type, but I'm not a great typer and I'll get, I'm a storyteller. As you can see, I'm a storyteller. So I found the ability to be able to tell the story like this and have it turn into text. So I would just take myself to those moments. I would describe it. And then once it got on paper, then I could go back and edit it. So that worked for me because I would just start talking. And I talked to some friends of mine. I talked, you know, to, and I would tell them the story and record it. And they would just, you know, like nod and listen and not, you know, so I could get it all out. And that was the way for me that I could write. I love this. Yeah. And, you know, and it worked. And then, you know, I'm also like, I like to close my eyes and like think about, you know, what was my childhood room like? What did, oh, I remember having my Cabbage Patch Kids on my, you know, whatever. So like for me, if I'm closing my eyes and typing, we're in really big trouble. So I could close <laughs> my eyes and share the story and it would become even, I would try to get myself back in that moment in my brain and then just put it out through my mouth. And then it, it went on paper. So it, a lot of people that have read my book, it's like, and know me, especially it's like, you're talking to me. Uh-huh. Cause you and literally were. I literally was talking. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's so many ways to creatively communicate in print. And I know plenty of career writers who write like that, who verbalize it and then they will transcribe it later, but that's the way their ideas flow. That's how it sounds natural. That's how it feels natural. And that's their creative process. And so I love hearing that. There's just a million ways to skin a cat. What's it <laughs> been like having your book in the world? Because um, again, you're used to putting products into the hands of consumers. This is your work, but it's different because this is you. This is your story. It is your guts. It's your heart. Jen, it's, I, it's only yours. It's different. I, I always get excited for when we launch a new line or whatever. This was so, and it was personal. I mean, I put stuff in there. I remember, I mean, the, the chapter one was a story that I did not plan on putting in the book at all. And my editor read it 
or actually the publisher, Daisy Hutton, read it and she said, this has to go in the book. And I think it should be chapter one because you read Born to Shine and in the first chapter, I'm taking you to a really difficult place and, and, and it's something that happened. And I wasn't going to put that in the book. I mean, I didn't want people to know like, oh God, you know, I'm, I'm a klutz. I fell down a gulch with my dog. I almost died of hypothermia. You know, like this was not necessarily like something I'm really proud of, but I want, but it was important to share. Right. So, you know, I think it was scary. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I was having, like, I didn't, I've never really had anxiety attacks, but I was like, my heart would be racing and I'd kind of be like, oh God, I'm like, what is, what is it? Why am I so stressed? I was so worried about, did I reveal too much? Was it, or, you know, what will people think? Or, you know, I don't know. You just, and, and is it good? And did I get it right? Did I, you know, or like all the things. And I'm not a writer and questioning like, okay, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. And realizing, okay, no, I, I had to get beyond that. And then getting it in people's hands and then waiting. Do they like it? Do they like it? Do they like it? How did it totally. affect them? It's nerve wracking. When I go on Amazon right now and I read these reviews, I am sobbing to hear people have started businesses after they read this, that they had the, the courage to try women who have gone through career change. I mean, so many, so many notes and letters have come to the office of how this moved them so much. I mean, a mom was with her, one of her children has been in hospital. She read the chapter about me with my son when he was in hospital, how much this, she just needed this, like how this book, they, it's, I one woman say, I feel like you wrote this for me right now. And I thought if it could help one person, I'd be so proud. And the fact that now we've, I've got thousands of women who, and men and men too, which I love and all different ages from you know, high school graduates who are receiving this book or getting this book to, you know, 75, 80 year olds that love this book. And that makes me like, I just came and tell you, I'm, I'm humbled. And it's amazing. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. I got a copy of your book in advance and I'm like, oh yeah, this is just in case anybody's thinking, you know, I can't relate to Kendra because she runs a billion dollar business and I like work in accounting. I'm like, no, that's not true. This, these are ubiquitous human things loss, fear, failure, dreams. We all have it. This is, this is shared material. No matter really who you are, what your life looks like is so relatable and so inspiring and encouraging and comforting even in parts where you just kind of read something and go, oh, I'm not the only one who felt that way or feels that way or have gone through something like that. So I think your vulnerability came through loud and clear. And I'm not surprised at all to hear that the feedback coming to you is just thankful and grateful. So one last question. I mean, we have been with you with this, the baby and the Bjorn and the now Kendra, like it's hard to even encapsulate in like a sentence or two, how big Kendra Scott brand is. It is, it's wildly successful in the most, obscene ways. Like you are a absolute success story. This is a huge, huge, huge business, probably beyond anything your little brain was ever thinking. I mean, how could you even imagine this? It's Not just, in a million zillion years. No, it's yeah. so over the top. And so I'd love to hear from your vantage point now. I just don't know what to call it except for an empire. So you've got this beautiful empire you've built from scratch, exactly how you want it which I love that. I love the integrity inside your work. What at this point, at this level, which is 
incredibly rare air. Uh, it's a teeny, teeny percentage in the world. What is the best thing about being at this level? What's the hardest thing about being at this level? First of all, I am so grateful. I think coming from the bedroom with the car tables, knowing I've almost lost my business throughout this. I mean, the great recession I had, I, my loan got called. I mean, I have gone through times where I didn't know if I could sustain my business. So it wasn't like it was all butterflies and rainbows for the last 20 years. It's been a lot of like, you know, oh Lord, are we going to get through this? Am I going to make this through? But I think, you know, at this stage, I'm so excited because, you know, as a company, philanthropy is at our core. And and after losing Rob, my stepfather, I just, I felt like I I had this just, my friend Holly, who died of cancer, said, live the dash, which is your birth date to your day, your death date, and that dash in between. And make that dash mean something. And, you know, my stepfather said, you do good because he had brain cancer. So he got three words out. And those words propelled me. And so we have given over $50 million to women and children's charities. In the beginning, I was just making a pair of earrings for a charity auction, whatever I could do. And I just built it from there. So now I get excited because it gives me an opportunity where we're you know, funding research grants. I started a school for women at the University of Texas where every single student can have the opportunity to learn about entrepreneurship and leadership, no matter what your major. You do not have to be in the business school to learn these, this mindset. Those are the things that I think, wow, like I couldn't have dreamed that I could be doing something like this now. So that's the exciting it's part. Incredible. And this next place of my life, right? I think as you know, I'm chairwoman of the board still, and I'm majority, you know, shareholder and all those things still designer. Cause I love the design, but now I get to also just lead the company in the next direction where we can continue to make this really positive mark. I think the part that maybe is harder is that I haven't changed. Like I'm Kendra. I'm the girl that was born in a Midwest in Wisconsin, moved to Texas when she was 16. Black Friday weekend, I'm looking for every deal. It's like, oh, Banana Republic is 40% off. I'm in. You know, my, I, I mean, I love it. My mindset, like I think about still how scared I would be, but before the first of the month when I had the boys and I was paying rent, I don't have to worry about paying rent anymore. I don't have to worry about those things. I know my kids can go to school. That's a relief. But I think for me, I'm still that you know, kind of dorky girl from Wisconsin. And, you know, and I think sometimes I, I hope that the book too, just, you know, knows that people like, you know, as these things happen, you know, some people can affect them. And it, you know, for me, it's just, I'm still, still me. That's good. That's a, that's a positive in the positive column by a mile. And I love that. And I think that's why you're beloved and trusted. It's why some of your employees have been with you for 17 years. It That's why, like, ultimately, that stuff comes through. People can fake it for a while. They can, they can build a business that lacks integrity, and it can succeed. And all of that, you can keep that sham up for a while, but not this long. So ultimately, your true colors will show, and yours do, and they are lovely. And, and bright yellow, bright yellow, bright yellow. <laughs> I'm so happy to know you. I am so proud of you and of your company and of your work. And I'm so I'm grateful to just bear witness to the way that you live generously and your love for community and for people and for justice and for good work. That's my beating heart as well. And so I just think, golly, how many people are you unknowingly mentoring just by 
living the way that you live and conducting business the way you conduct it and giving the way that you give, it's going to have a centrifugal effect that you'll probably never know, probably never see the effects of, but it is profound. You know, I I truly believe in, in why I wrote the book is that we are all born to shine, Jen. And anyone listening out there that feels like, you know, this is unattainable or I could never do that. You can, you can do anything. Anything is possible. I can promise you. I know in some moments it doesn't feel like they are, but if you can get your mind to know that, you know, you're got this burning, amazing light and your story is what makes you great. So don't be ashamed to share who you really are, because that's what makes your, all the things make you, you. And, you know, I think getting past that fear, you know, push through it, push through it and know, you know, you've got an army of people around you. You just got to find the ones that really see the light in you and surround yourself with those people. Fantastic. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Okay, sis, that's it. Thank you. Next Thank time, you. let's do this in person for heaven's okay, sake. We're just up the street it. from each other. I love it. Okay. I love I'm it. Thank just you delighted for to having me. me. Thanks for being on today, Kendra. I sure appreciate you. Thank you. All right, you guys, I told you you would like that. I know that you did. She is special, 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 special indeed. And uh, I just don't know what I love most. I The 97% female operated company, the $50 million in philanthropy, good grief. I think maybe one of my favorite things I heard Kendra say today was the customer is my boss. That's my one and only boss. And if my boss is happy, then we're happy. I just, I love that. I just took a lot away from today's interview. So I hope you did too. Um, So much to come in this awesome series. Like we're just feeling excited about it and we want you to feel excited about it. We're excited about you. And I think that's why, that's where this whole dream in my little head came from because I pay attention to all the things that you say all the time. And there's just so, this is just such a smart, innovative, interesting community. We have such big ideas and good ideas and our dreams are, are unique. And I just wanted to put a little gas in the tank for you. And so that's what this entire series is about. Don't miss any of it. If you haven't already subscribed, do so. Just hit that subscribe button wherever you get podcasts. And this little show will just show up for you every single week. You won't even have to try for it. So on behalf of Laura and Abby and Caitlin and the podcast crew and Amanda and I, we love you and we'll see you next week.